way we do things in the church of God. You know, it's because it's all about us, isn't it? No, it's not. It's about Jesus, the one whom we build our church on and around. So when the Lord, you know, and sometimes it's not as like, you know, a clear voice from heaven. And, you know, it's sometimes those little nudges. Man, I feel like the Lord wants to do this. And he's just like, well, okay, well, let's uh, step in faith and we go for it. And um, I feel that's what happened this morning as we really just followed God. Um, and this morning it's, uh, it's uh, man, I'm trusting that the Lord will do something significant in our hearts. And uh, who of you have felt discouraged before? I mean, let's be honest, a lot, a lot, many of us. And maybe you are here this morning and you kind of feel stuck in your relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel discouraged. You don't have hope. You feel like, man, I'm, I'm not growing anymore. I'm not growing anymore. Sometimes, you know, people attend church and they say, no, the, uh, the church is not growing me anymore. I mean, that is quite, kind of the wrong approach, to be honest. The, the, like, we need to grow ourselves. We need to take responsibility ourselves, not neglecting the gathering of the saints in church. So we can't, you know, just point fingers to the church and say, no, the church is not growing me anymore. I mean, you know what I mean? And I'm, I say that with respect. So we need to honor churches, actually. We actually need to honor churches. And yes, they, okay, I'm not going to go into this rabbit hole. I'll, I've learned this, my lesson before. But today, I really want to encourage us to not lose hearts. Not, if I go around this room and I ask you, man, do you want to grow in Christ? Obviously, you want to say yes. That's partially why we are here this morning. We want to grow, right? And this morning, I want to share a very important ingredient or ingredient that will ultimately cause us to grow. And this is uh, vitally important. It really is. And I want to say, without this thing, without this thing that I'm going to speak about this morning, there's no chance that you will grow. Honestly. There's no chance that you're going to grow without this thing. And for many of us, we grew up in a religious home, right? For, for some, maybe you haven't been churched. Uh, but for many of us here in Bloemfontein specifically, it's kind of like a religious culture. You grow up with Christian values. So it's a, it's a lot of you know, positives that we can take out of it. And, uh, so, but the, the flip side of that is we, if you grow up religiously in that sense, we tend to see Christianity as legalistic, right? We tend to see Christianity as a set of rules that I need to follow. Not allowed to do this, you should do that. Yeah, less of this, more of that. And in a sense, it, it, sometimes it just creeps into your own life where you see Christianity as legalistic, as a list of rules. And if you break it, man, God will punish you. You know what I mean? And we grow up like that. And it's easy to, to look at the commands that God gives us and to see it as a list that we need to obey. Right? If you have tried it and you have succeeded... Trick question. Who <laughs> of you have tried it? <laughs> okay, more of you. Uh, but that it really is something that, that's so personal to me. I've tried it for years. I've tried to obey the commands that God gives us, but you end up failing, and then you, you condemn yourself, and you ultimately feel far off than initially starting off. You know what I mean? And there's a list of rules that, that, um, that we get caught up into, and I want to really just shake our boxes a little bit this morning, that it's not about a list of rules. It's not about obeying 
like on the tee, not allowed to do this, not, not allowed to do this. It's all about obeying, yes, but you get what I'm saying. It's not a, a list of rules that you need to do right and do and, and less of. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going to move on. So the thing that I want to speak on this morning is obedience. Obedience is the ingredient for you to grow. Without it, you're not going to grow. And I was speaking to Paul just before, the, before we started this morning, and he said to me, listen, why, man, like, you just shared it, actually, with us with the worship announcement. Hey, I mean, how can we attract God's presence? How can, can we do more of this, less of that, or what should we do? And God said to him, it's obedience. And he shared it with me this morning. I was like, bro, did I speak to you about my preach? And he's like, no, you haven't. I'm like, no way, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, no, you haven't. And so God is speaking. Can you see it? He wants us to obey. And I said to him, my preach, all of my, my whole preach is about obedience. And, I mean, that should say something already. And I pray that this morning that there will be a freedom to come to Jesus. That there will be a confidence to come to Him this morning. If you feel far off, to come to Him this morning. Is that all right? And the Bible has much to say about obedience. Did you know that? Um, we, we, we obviously know about the Ten Commandments. We, we know about different commandments that God gives us. And um, so there's many things that, that, I'm, that I can um, speak to you about. But uh, this morning I want to really speak about what is obedience. We can, sh- we can share on what does it look like, yes. But before that, we need to know what, I- what is obedience. Because in a way, you, you think about obedience in the way you grew up, Right? The way your parents made you to obey, <laughs> that is your, your, your picture of obedience. And for some, we try to unlearn it and learn new ways of what it should look like. But ultimately, we need to go on what does God say? What does obedience look like? And this is an essential part of our Christian faith. Essential. It is vital. And uh, I want to look at what is obedience. So the definition of obedience, listen to this is a, a dutiful or submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. Let me just say that again. It's a dutiful or submissive compliance to the commands of one in authority. Right? So to pull that through for us as Christians, the word dutiful, it really means it is our obligation to obey God. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an obligation to obey God. And just as, as Jesus fulfilled his duty to the Father by dying on the cross for our sin, that is obedience from him right there. That was like the Father said to Jesus, this is what I want for you. You need to die on the cross for everyone's sin. Did Jesus want to do it? I mean, who wants to die on the cross quickly? You know what I mean? It's like it's not a, uh, no, that's an exciting thing to do. It's, it's kind of like dutiful. It's like, oh, man, it's, it's, oh, it's dutiful. My father said I should do it, so I'm going to do it. All right? Submissive. It indicates that we yield to the will of God, it, it, our will to God's. Like Isal shared a bit earlier as well. And we've got our own will, right? We've got our own dreams and desires for our life. But submi- submission in a godly way is, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And isn't that what Jesus said to the Father? Father, let this cup pass me. I don't want to, I don't really want to go and die on the cross. If there's another way, please, Lord, please, Father. But not my will, but your will be done, Father. 
<laughs> and then he willingly gave himself. And that's, that's, I hope you're seeing obedience here this morning. It's like, man, it's not my will. It's not my desires. And we, we quickly justify, no, 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 God wants me to be happy, man. Well, really. Because in my experience, if you're going to chase happiness, at some stage there's going to be a crossroad between your will and God's will. And then you need to choose. You're either going to obey or, or, or disobey. So from the get-go, we need to know. It's not my will, Jesus' will. His will for me that I need to follow. The word commands, it speaks of, of the scriptures in which God has clearly um, defined his instructions. All right? So if you read the scripture, if you read the Bible, there's a lot of commands, there's a lot of instructions. It really is our blueprint for life, isn't it? It really shows us the way we should live. It shows us the way how a godly life should look like. So if you need to know how should I live, you need to dig into the Scripture. Look what it says and live it. So there's a lot of, a lot of what God says we should live like, and we need to know what it is. And then ultimately the one in authority is, is God Himself. Um, and, and we know that, right? God is the one in authority. There's no one like Him. He is, we, were, we were singing it now. He's the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. There's none like Him. He is the one that made you. Did you know that? You're not a mistake this morning. For some, you need to hear that this morning. You're not a mistake. God made you. He is the one in authority. So ultimately, if you're a Christian, it literally means we are to comply with everything that God commands and say. That is obedience. That is obedience. And I want to say this. This is not optional. Uh, this is, we, we, we can't discuss this. This is not optional. This is essential. This is directly linked to your growth. Your obedience is directly linked to your growth. Not indirectly, directly. The more you, you obey, the more you will grow. The less you obey, the less you will grow and the less you want to obey, right? I've seen it in my life. When I obey God, I just, man, I realize I need to obey more. But when I'm disobedient, I realize I don't really want to obey Him now. I just want to, I'm scared to go to Him. And that's what happens when we're in disobedience. Having said that, I want to say that obedience is not merely just out of duty. All right? So I kind of try to, to put a foundation here about what obedience is. But obedience is not just out of duty. It's not just an outward expression. So what I don't want you to hear this morning is, I need to go and try harder this, today. I need to go out and I need to try harder. It's not about an outward expression. I want to say we obey Him because we love Him. We obey Him because we love Him. We want to comply with Him. We want to listen to His authority. We want to listen to His instructions because we love Him. Not out of an outward duty. And in John 14, verse 23, Jesus said this. Listen to this. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. All right? Just keep that up. But that, that's quite, that's like, that's, that's the preach. <laughs> if anyone loves me here this morning you will obey Him. Right? So you can't say, I love Him and not obey Him. Do you get it? 
You understand what I'm saying? My father will have him and we will come to him and make our home with him. That is what we said earlier, man. We want Jesus to make his home with us. You know how that's going to happen? You know, you know how? As a church, if we live in obedience. If we live in obedience, somehow, I don't know how, always, how it works always, but somehow we, we attract the favor of God. Somehow we, we attract His grace when there's people living in obedience. So maybe, uh, yeah, biblically, there's been times where one person in the camp was the reason for them not to live in the favor of God. One person living in disobedience caused the whole group not to find the favor of God. So as a church, that's why unity is so important. That's why accountability is so important. Transparency, that's why we have communities where we share life. We're open, we're vulnerable. I'm not perfect. I, need to str- I struggle with this. Help me, help me with this. Pray for me. And it's an openness because we love God. We love people and we need His presence. We need His presence. And Jesus really is the perfect example of this. Are you guys still with me? I'm not, I, I trust that this won't be too heavy on us this morning. This really is a freedom uh, message. But in Philippians 2, verse 8, of the back of saying Jesus is the, our example, and being found in appearance as a man, he, speaking about Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Just keep that up there. Jesus was so obedient until death. Now maybe you're saying, but Hoya, you know how hard is obedience? Obedience is hard. It's difficult to obey. Well, can I just read that scripture again? Jesus was obedient until death. Just let that sink in quickly. It's like, if you haven't died for your obedience, you can obey more. You know what I mean? You can... Yeah. All of the disciples actually died because of their obedience. All of them, except one, actually. He just died of age, right? But most of them died because of obedience. Jesus died for you on a cross because of? Because of? Obedience. <laughs> so I know it's hard. It's hard. It, sometimes it's not great. Sometimes it sucks to be obedient. But we know that this will make us grow. So if God tells you something, obey. Even if, it's, if, even if it doesn't feel great. And sometimes, I've said it before, sometimes your obedience, sometimes your holiness will cost you your happiness. And we need to settle that. Happiness and obedience you know, rarely sits in the same table. Rarely. But obedience brings joy. It supersedes happiness. There's a joy in you. In a sense, where Paul was in prison, but there was a joy in him. Who of you will find joy in a prison? I mean, let's be, be real here. No, no, it's not, it's not a great place to be in. But there was a joy in him. And there was obedience. 1 John, 1 John, 1 John, my mouth is dry. Let me just take a sip of water. You see the Bloemfontein accent is coming through. 1 John 4, um, verse, what's that? verse 19, 21. We love because He first loved us. Just keep that up there. I'm just going to read that for. He loved, no, what did it say? We love because He first loved us. 
Isn't that beautiful? That this morning, John is saying that we can love because Jesus first loved us. And that's very important. Um, I'm going to move on. And, and basically, to, to bring it down to obedience is we can obey because Jesus obeyed first. That's, we, can't, we can't have an external obedience trying to earn God's favor. He already obeyed, and that's why we obey. That's important. Because the way I grew up, and maybe many of you, the way you grew up is you need to obey the list of commands, the list of, of rules, and then when, you, when you're perfect, you can come to Christ. But we realize that it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We can't earn our salvation. We can't earn our freedom in Christ by doing that. It's because of Jesus that loved us first, because of Him that obeyed first, that we can live like that. So God wants us to obey Him out of love, not merely out of duty. Is that clear? And sometimes it does become duty, let's be honest. Sometimes there, there are moments where you need to have self-control, self-discipline. You know, you know when, when, there's, when there's moments where I get tempted, where there's a temptation in front of me, I don't, I'm not going to say no because oh, I just love Jesus so much. When there's sin knocking on my door, sometimes I realize if I'm going to give in to this, I'm going to lose God. And in that sense, it creates a healthy fear in my heart, like, man, I don't want to lose God, because ultimately I know I love Him. All right? So, so I just need to, to balance that. Sometimes it does become a duty. Sometimes it is self-discipline, saying no. And not just an airy-fairy, oh, I love God, and I just want to obey Him all the time. No, it's not always like that. You go out this door, and someone drives in front of you, you're just not going to, I love God, and I'm not going to hoot, or whatever. Just a good example of that, um, for those of you who are married for longer than a year, will know that even in marriage, to love someone is a choice sometimes. So you get faced with stuff that he makes you so mad, and I'm not going to respond good because I love him, but I respond good because, um, because of the fear of losing him, because of the fear of destroying that relationship, yeah, because of a choice. Probably not speaking about me, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's not merely a duty. It's out of a love for him. It's not a because if, if it really just if it's just a duty, it becomes a, a form of godliness. You know what I mean? It becomes a form of godliness. And and God is quite clear about the, a, a form of godliness without the desire to love and to please him. And in, in 2 Timothy 3, just listen to this quickly, verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. And, I mean, it's quite a, quite a scary scripture. There are so many that I believe are maybe in a, in, a, in a Christian culture environment that has the form of godliness, but no life, no power of God in them. I grew up like that. And I'm, I'm thankful for the values that God taught to me, but there was no life. There was no power of God in me, man. It was a form of godliness. External expression. And I grew up in a, in a Christian culture. I got taught between right and wrong. I got taught on what I should do and should, it, should not do. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful because in a sense, that created such a healthy value system to me 
I was part of, of church. I read my Bible. I tried to pray. Oftentimes, I'll just fall asleep, and the next morning, I feel guilty. and like, oh, I didn't finish my prayer. Or the Bible is there at my feet. And, you know, like, oh, Lord, I'll, I'll read more tonight, you know. And I did my Sunday school homework, usually Sunday mornings. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't do it. I tried to have this full swear less. I, 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 was, I had quite a bad mouth, to be honest. And I tried to be a better person. I tried to, you know what I mean, right? I tried to be a, a good person. I tried to follow the rules. Because I thought, and, I, and I'm being real this morning, I thought if I try hard enough, I'll earn God's acceptance. I'll earn God's ex- acceptance. If I try hard enough, you, you have a bad week, Okay, Lord, Lord, next week, Monday, starting Monday, because most things start on Mondays, right? I'll start tomorrow, Lord. I'll try this week. I'm not going to swear. And we used to punch one another in school. If you, if you catch your buddy swearing, you, you give one another like a lummy. On the... We used to do all these things to, to help us, you know, be a good person. Form of godliness. Form of godliness. Denying the power of God. Denying the life of God. Living a Christian life is not about, it's not all about rules. It's not all about rules. And maybe for some of you, you are here this morning and you realize that when you are living in a form of godliness, but ultimately in your heart, there's the denying of God's power and the life that's in Him. And I want to end with this um, the Pharisees, about, uh, I just want to speak about the Pharisees quickly. So the Pharisees, in Jesus' time, they relentlessly pursued acts of obedience to the law. Relentlessly. I mean, the, I, I wonder if a Pharisee would live in our day, it would probably be something like the way I grew up. Uh, I, I probably was some sort of a, a Pharisee without, you know, the ed- education. <laughs> but, but in a sense, I tried to, to obey all the list of the, of the commands. I tried to obey the law. And they relentlessly pursued the act of obedience. But here's the thing about the Pharisees is that they became proud. They became self-righteous. They believe that they deserved heaven because of what they have done. That's what they believed. They were very sharp theologically. They'll probably outmaneuver us all theologically this morning. If, if there's some uh, Pharisee walking in our midst here this morning, they'll probably maneuver us, outmaneuver us. Except Paul. <laughs> but they were sharp theologically. They knew the Bible. They knew the ways of God, actually. But there was no life, no power. It was a form of godliness. They believed they they could earn heaven of what they have done. And Luke 7 verse 30, listen to this. The Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose. They rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. And it's not like, you know, he's saying John is the, like the, you know, the magic hands to baptize type of thing. That's not why he's saying they were not being baptized by John. Because just, just before that, it says that everyone who listened to this message were baptized by John. So that's why that's in context. So 
For some, you need to really consider being baptized. Honestly. Strongly consider it so that we can live in obedience. The Pharisees actually said about John that, man, he's, he has a demon. They said, they looked at John, and you, you've got a demon. They said to Jesus, he's a glutton. He's a drunkard. Man, he's someone that just, you know, spends time with sinners all the time. That's what the Pharisees said about Jesus. And Jesus was actually just obedient. John was actually just obedient. So you, you must know, if you're going to live a life of obedience, people will criticize you. People will criticize you. If no one criticizes you because of your, your obedience, you need to reflect, am I actually obedient? Am I actually obedient? Usually we can't love God and love the world, or, or, or obey God and obey the world in the same, same place. You can't be one foot in the kingdom, one foot in the world, trying to keep everyone happy. We need to decide, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey the world? Everyone still with me? <laughs> I want to end with the scripture, Luke 7, verse 36. It's just off the, off the back of what I just read in Luke 7. Now, one of the Pharisees, so just after that conversation, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner. Isn't this quite ironic? Because they were blaming him of you all having dinner with sinners, and now a Pharisee invites him for dinner. Like, that's quite ironic. Anyway, but one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37. And when a woman, listen to this, stay with me. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet and her, and her tears, with her tears, sorry. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed, owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pull oil or put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the women, your, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I hope you followed with me on that scripture. Because this is fascinating to me. 
She was a sinner realizing how she needs God's grace. And she worshipped Him in that moment. She realized, man, who am I? Who am I to think I deserve heaven? Who am I to think I deserve God's grace? I just, I just yield to you, God. I just yield to you. I bring my everything. That jar of perfume. That's the sign, man. I'm bringing my everything. I don't have much, but I'm bringing my everything. I pour it out at your feet, and she started worshiping. And Jesus is saying, this is what I desire. This is what I accept. You, even, you didn't even do that. So I reject you, the Pharisees. I accept this woman who's sinful, realizing her need for grace, realizing that nothing that she can ever do will earn God's grace. The salvation is a gift from God. It's not because of how hard you try. It's not about doing less of that, doing more of that. It's about surrendering, yielding your will, your life, your heart to Him, saying, Lord, I want to worship you. And realizing that, that set her free. Go in peace. Go. And I was a Pharisee of some sort. I tried to do all these things that the Pharisees did. I tried to, to read more Bible, read more Scripture, or uh, pray more, do that. But I never wanted to sacrifice my life. This sinful woman said, I give my all. I give my all. I don't want to hold anything back. I'll bring my, my jar. I'll bring my everything and, and pour it out, out at your feet. And I want to say to you this morning, if you think that you deserve heaven because you're a good person, my friend, you're in trouble. My friend, you're in trouble. If you think you earn heaven because of being a good person, relying on your own good works to get you in, you're relying on the, on the wrong thing. You're relying on the wrong thing. And it's most likely that you're in the same boat as the Pharisees. But the Bible tells us that it's without Christ that we're in trouble. Without Christ, we're in trouble. But in Christ, we're accepted by God. In Christ. There's nothing in this world that we can, we can earn. We, deserve, we, we don't deserve His grace. Trying our best, doing the most righteous works is not good enough. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned, and we all fall short of God's glory. All of us. All of us have sinned, and we have fallen short. And then it continues to say in, in chapter 6, For the wages of sin, so now we have, we've established that all of us have sinned, so the wages of that is death, right? Death. Not physical death, eternal death separated from God in hell. But there's good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this morning there's good news for us. There's good news for us. This good news isn't, okay, church, we need to go and try harder. That's bad news. That is bad news. I've tried it. It doesn't work. But the good news this morning is, man, Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has given his life. And he has the gift for eternal life. And if we surrender our life to him, we are found in Jesus. And when the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. 
Yes, there's still sin in this world, still broken world, so we, we fight and we, we grow and we, you know, but we're accepted by God. It's not an external attempt to earn our eternal life. It's an inward knowing that I'm not good enough, but Jesus is because He has paid the price. This is vitally important. And I want us to pray. Maybe we can close our eyes.